0: Well, praise God. We go ahead and dismiss all our children. Come on, give it up for the kids. Come on, y'all can do better than that for the kids. Come on. You know, this morning, uh, I just, I'm so excited what we're going to do. We're gonna, this month, we're doing a series on family. And, uh, you know, in this series, we're going to talk a lot about important issues in your own life. And you know, there's nothing more serious uh than your family relationships. How many can you say that? Amen to that. And uh we deal with issues in our family. How many know we all deal with issues in our family? And you know, some of us are maybe in our second marriage, some are in your third marriage, some, you know, are single, and some are single because of divorce, and, and some are raising a blended family, and some are raising other people's kids, and some are, you know, just you know, you don't know what you're doing from day to day. But so when we talk about family, I know this. It can be really difficult and complicated. You know, I, I know that I, I come from a family, I could just I come from a uh like a his, mine, and our situation. And, you know, I know that I have more, you know, I have family and you know, don't look at me too close, but I may be related to you because I don't have a family tree, I got a family bush. And so but there's some things we all have in common. I believe this. You don't have a choice in the family that you're going to be a part of. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We just don't have that choice. We don't have that luxury. It wouldn't be great and go, man, I would have liked to been born by that nice lady in my neighborhood that always gave us popsicles no matter what. And they were always nice. Hold on. I remember my mom would get mad at me sometimes. And she'd just go, ah. <sighs> ah. I just sometimes oh, you drive me crazy, and you know, as a kid, you go, "Mom, sometimes you—if you could say it—you drive me crazy." You know, and I know for all of us, we don't get the family—we don't get to pick the family we were born into. But I believe this: you, the luxury you have is you get to pick the spiritual family that God joins you to. And you know, I know this. The second thing I know this is the fact that we we. No one that you're related to is as smart as you are, because you have it all figured out. You've got it all figured out. You're, you've got it pretty good going on, and you know that you got to figure out. I'm smarter than anybody else in my family. How many of you agree with that? Come on, no one. Come on, I. Y'all are humble, huh? All right, well, we're going to get you. All right. So the problem is when you start reading, when I think about family, you think of all the complications. You go, well, let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about family. But if you go to the Old Testament and you start looking for family as an example in the Old Testament, can I just say there's almost no good examples of family in the, New, in the Old Testament. I think about Adam, Adam and Eve. Think about them. Come on. Let's start at the beginning. They messed everything up for all of us. How I many of you get mad sometimes when you read the Bible and go, man, why didn't you blow it? I mean, of you talking about? And, and it's like, we got, you know, and, and I believe this is that the man chose, listen, he chose the woman over God. And I heard what John Elridge says, and that's the sin of man. They're always continuing to pick women over God. Thanks for all those amens. You know we know the whole story. Then that you, you go a couple of chapters later, and it's Cain and Abel, and we know that Cain, you know that, that, that Cain rises up and he kills Abel. Then you look at Abraham; he's sleeping with his his maidservant, Hagar, and Hagar and Sarah, his wife, are getting ticked off at each other. And then you know you know the whole scenario. And then Jacob and Rebekah. and and what happens is he has they have twin boys, Jacob. Isaac and Rebecca, not It's Jacob and Esau. And they're two totally different, opposite guys. One's smooth, one's hairy. One's a houseboy, one's a hunter. Come on. One got red hair, and the other one got dark hair. They're just totally opposites. And not only are they opposites, you know what? They, they can't even, they can't even, they just can't get along. They can't, how many of you have children like that? Just complete opposites. You see, then, then you have Jacob has tw- 12 sons and he has, one, he has 10 sons that go out against one son and they throw him in the pit. His name is Joseph and you know the story that goes on from there. I mean, it's a mess. When you look at the Bible, then you look at David, the guy that kills Goliath. Come on. And then you see, I mean, God makes him great, but then he has war against his own son, Absalom. And Absalom tries to take his kingdom. What a great example that the Bible gives for a family. You see, Jesus, think about this, Jesus, Jesus' mom and dad go down to the temple to worship God, to bring sacrifices at the big festival, and they forget him for three days. What is that? I mean, man, come on. They can't even make sure that the Son of God, Jesus, is okay. You think you have issues? You th- How many of you've ever left your child somewhere, and you thought, "I should have left them." No, don't raise your hand. I remember getting left at Astro World in Houston when they used to have Astro World, and I remember I, I I was just looking at the lights, them turning off the lights, and that's when they had the double decker buses at Astro World, and you know, and I remember I was like six. We were there with my uncle and my aunt and their family, and so it was my my mom and dad's kids and my uncle and his wife's kids, and we're just having a great time. And and you know, we're the last bus to leave Astro World. And I'll never forget, standing there, and I'm just looking at the lights, and the bus takes off. It's kind of like Astro World alone. You know, home alone, Astro World alone. And then they take off, and i turn around and they've left me. somewhere like a quarter of the way there they realized they were missing me and I could see that double decker bus turn around and I'm like you know when they pick you up you're trying to you're six you're kind of going <laughs> you okay you know think about Jesus and his own brothers and sisters that didn't, didn't even believe he was the son of God see nothing could create so much tension in our lives and heartache in your life than family disagreements. How many of you know I'm talking about mamas and daddies? You know, there's nothing that brings more pain than disagreements. How many of you know that you always agree with your kids and your kids always agree with you? It didn't happen. This is the real world, man. And see, nothing can bring any more. See, nothing can bring greater pain to us, but nothing can bring as much joy. When our family, when it works right and it just works out, how many are you talking about? I heard my, one of my teachers, Winky Prattney, said grief is purport- proportional to intimacy. The more that you love someone is the greater that you grieve. Come on. But you know when you're close to someone and they bring you joy, there's no joy like that. Amen? They just and so There's nothing can bring us. So back, you know, when you look at back at Jesus's time and the Apostle Paul begins to do some writings in the in the New Testament. And he talks, he begins to address family, what that's all all about. But in Jesus time, it was it was a male dominated society. Men had it going on. Women were like property. In fact, women were treated like property and you would have to purchase your wife like you would give her like if you wanted to marry a wife if if it wasn't arranged even if it was arranged you had to go and what you had to do is you had to give you have to buy your wife you know 10 donkeys for her you know what i'm saying lily i know a couple that was on their on a tour in israel and it's where they were in the they were they were on a tour. They were looking at, at They were going off through Israel. And as they're going through Israel, what happens is, you know, they still have people that live like in tents and have camels. And and they but they have a pickup truck and they raise sheep and they raise camels. They raise goats. They raise all that kind of stuff. But what happens is they are on a tour and they go into this tent and they're sitting down and they're offering them to give them drinks and things like that. And there's one of these guys and he looks at one of these women. And she's actually a pastor's wife from Minnesota. And he looks at the tour guide and he says, Hey, can I give one camel for that woman? Now, for in his world, it's not wrong. By the time, and he kept going, another camel, another. He wanted to get, he was willing to give 17 camels for that wife from Minnesota, that pastor's wife from Minnesota. You understand me? He didn't get her. That's all I got to say. But what happens is, is that you know, when you think about that in our society, and what happens, see, back in the time, it was a man-dominated world. Many times, kids didn't get their names sometimes until they were four or five because they didn't know. They, back then, you could have six, seven, eight kids, and maybe only two or three would go into adulthood. And so they would wait sometimes. And see, what happens is when you see, even when Jesus' ministry and disciples had the same view about towards kids, towards women, that men were superior, that that they were just like, women were like property, kids didn't have any voice. You remember growing up in South Wales? Shut up, you don't have a voice. And see, when I think about it, you know... It just doesn't seem fair. But even back then, if you were a rabbi, the way they had, they had one rabbi that began to teach if you want to divorce with your wife, all a man would have to go, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And that was it. That's all a man had to do. But a woman couldn't do that. And then when you begin to read Paul's writings, Apostle Paul, and you begin to see what Jesus even began to talk, he began to talk about radical stuff. You see, when I look at this, even in Jesus' ministry, disciples had the same view towards women and towards kids in that culture. And you look at Jesus, and this is what he says. Jesus, chapter 19 in Matthew, verse 14. Jesus said this. He says, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. And this is what he says: For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are, who are like these children. You see... Children, this is what he's saying, children are part of the kingdom of heaven, just like you are. Jesus put kids on an equal platform with everybody there. You see, today, we have a lot of parents today, this is what's kind of crazy, okay? Who say, don't talk to kids about God, let them figure it out on their own. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Let's not talk about these issues anymore. Every day your kids live on this earth, they are bombarded with negative thoughts and dirty things. How I many know I'm talking about? It's true. See, there are no safe, you can send them to Christian school. You can send them, I mean, you can do homeschool. You can do whatever you got, whatever kind of school. You go, I'm not letting them play with these. They're going to spend the night over here. No one's going to do this. How I many you know you can have the perfect setting? But can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you something? Yeah. All right, I just want to know if I can tell you something. You see, the thing is, is that I, you, there's no safe place where you can park your kids for 21 years and not be tempted by the devil. How I many you of know the enemy is always looking for a place to tempt your children? Can I just, I remember just as a kid, can I just, tell, I'm going to be, I, listen, how many of you know that Pastor Bubba can be brutally honest sometimes? And I say things that sometimes I do have to repent for. Okay, I'm going to say some stuff like that this morning. Okay. It's kind of like going up to a car and looking and having sticker shock, how much it looks, how much it's going to cost you. But I remember as a kid going in my dad's room and going through a sock drawer. And one day... As I'm going through a sock drawer. And my dad never had this kind of stuff when I was a little kid. I look in there and there's this deck of cards. And he might not even know he had them. But in those deck of cards on the other side was pictures of girls. And they were partly dressed. But they weren't dressed from the waist up. And I remember I was like, man. Man. I'd never seen anything like that. And I remember it's like, my dad doesn't need these. I need these cards. And I took those cards. And you know what happened? It started, it was a seed of a thing that started in my life that I've had to battle all my life. Amen? Amen? And sometimes people, even Christians say, well, if I, if I get married, that'll fix that problem. It won't fix the problem. Because it's a hard issue. Hello. You know, there's some people go, hey, hey, boys, come see. Me. you can tell your kids about drugs all you want. But sometimes, you go, hey, man, I got something to get you off, dude. <laughs> really, what's that? Some hoochewana. <laughs> hoochewana, what's that? Mary Jane you know Colombian gold jamaica pink see y'all go, what you i made it up anyway <laughs> and you know just just try it you might like it i remember the first time i did i was coming from a baseball game i was a sophomore in high school my brother was in the car with me he's here this morning He can testify well he did it before me but anyway I was mad at him about a week before I was going to beat him up next week. I was joining him. I was sitting in the, we were coming back. his Todd and I were on the baseball team at Fatima. And I remember we, we were there. He was a freshman. I was a sophomore. And we had some seniors come, Matt and Ethan, father, uh, and Mike Landry and all those guys. Mike Landry's dead. Did you know that, Todd? Okay, you did. And I remember I was just. They go, come on, try it. And it like, didn't bother me the first time. But that the third hit, I was like, whoa. Whoa, my mama lied to me. My daddy was holding something back from me. And it started a journey until I got caught. And even getting caught didn't change my heart. You see, can I just tell you something? I don't care. You can raise your kids the way you think you can get the best Christian literature and stuff, but your kids are still going to have to deal with temptation, still going to have to deal with evil, still going to have to deal with the devil. And sometimes he doesn't even have sometimes. Look, can I be honest with you? Sometimes we don't even have to deal with the devil. We just do something we want to and because we, we just want to do it. Come on, I get an amen on that one, because sometimes the de- member Flip and the devil made me do it. The devil has nothing to do with it. The devil is like wondering, what the heck? Y'all giving me credit for everything and he can't even take credit for it, really? Because it's you. Y'all still love me? All right. Yeah, I talked about insecurity last week, but I have no insecurity. All right, just. But see, this morning, when I think about it, your kids need to have a relationship. With Jesus, that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be hiding that from... See, your kids need to have a relationship. They need, to, they need you to show them how to love God. see, what I've learned is what you can't preach to them... Listen to me, I want to give you... What you can't preach to them, what you can't tell them, you can only do through repentance. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? How many of you have ever made a mistake raising your children? How many of you have ever gotten angry? Like really angry. Fashade. How many of you, at times when you not only did you get angry, but you just you just blew it? You said things that peeled the paint. If, we, if your walls could talk and we put it, we, they would tell us what you said. How many of you just like allowed them to go places, and then you just regretted it later? Oh my God. What did I do? Huh. Can I tell you something? The only thing they'll ever do that is to change their heart, to let them know. See, it's not us just telling them, you know, God wants you to do this. God wants you to live this way. God wants you. Can you ever go to your children and go? Luke, will you forgive daddy for being angry? God spoke to me. Told me I've been angry. I've been Short-sighted, I said things to you that I shouldn't have said. Will you forgive me? Can I tell you something? That will do greater than anything you ever told your children. Because remember this, miserable people like to make people miserable, but forgiven people forgive people. And if you want your children not to hold bitterness and things against you, you have to walk in humility and be willing to forgive. Amen? Amen? Thank you for all those amens. But see, today, there are a lot of parents who say, don't talk to your kids about Jesus. Don't talk to them about God. Let them just figure it out. Every day our kids live on earth. That's the way it is. We don't live in a neutral world. How many of you figured that out? It's not a neutral world. Kids will ask you for stuff too. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many kids ask you stuff? Like crazy stuff. I could get people up here and y'all could tell us the funniest stories. You could tell us the craziest things your kids have ever done. One of my children, I'm going to tell you who it was. But I had a national speaker one time in the backseat of my car. And like he travels all over the world. And he's looking at him. And he goes, how come you got hair growing out of your ears? And he's just like, well. And then he goes, how come your teeth are like all yellow? I'm like. Kids say it's like Bill Cosby used to have, and was it Lawrence Linkletter? Kids say the thank you, art. Thank you, thank you. Before my generation, all right. Don't Miss Sharon. It, okay, I did watch it when I was a kid. I will repent. But you know, I love what Paul's, what Peter says, in First Peter. Chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands, look what it says. Give honor to your wives. Trust your wife. It says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Can I tell you something? I know this lady right here. I know Miss Tracy. I know her. I know her. I know her passions, her passions, her strengths. Her weaknesses, but the Bible says treat her right, even though you know all of that stuff. You know, because I've known this. I had a Cajun woman tell me one time, and it's been one of the greatest pieces of wisdom I've ever had in my marriage. You know, Pastor Bubba, you know, men, they all the same. She got married when she was 15, Miss Saboy. She goes, the men, they bark all day, but you know, baby, they'd meow at night yet. And all the women said, Amen. all right, I'm helping the cause. He says, she may be weaker than you are. Now, let me just stop right there. That means she can't lift as much weight as I can. But that doesn't mean she's weaker intellectually, because my wife is much smarter than me. Much Can I confess that? And everybody can say amen to that too. Help me help the cause here. She is much smarter than I am. And everybody said, I was watching. Anyway. She is. She's sometimes women are more spiritual than their husbands. It's okay. But look what it goes on to say. But she is an equal partner in God's gift. Of new life. Peter says something radical here. Wait a minute. An equal partner but a different position. Hello. An equal partner. She's not property. She's not to be mistreated. And he says treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. My life, can I just tell you something? When I treat my wife right, it actually enhances my life. It actually helps me out. See, the the man is to be the leader of the union, but the wife is a joint heir with her husband. That means, you know what? We each have our roles. I'm the leader. I'm the CEO. But can I tell you something? That don't mean she she doesn't have an opinion. That doesn't mean you go submit, wife. I don't use that. Like a bunch of ignorant religious people do. Jesus saying, "In God's kingdom, women are equal to men, spiritually equal to men, but they have they have equal value, but they have different roles." In the twenty first century, we see all of that kind of it kind of looks like gobbledygook, doesn't it? You know, they have a little girl just a few, few months ago, about a year ago now a little girl in Afghanistan that got shot in the face. Why did she get shot in the face? Listen, she she was shot in the face by the Taliban because she wanted to go to school. But in their society, she had to kick against the culture, kick against about what everything is said in their culture. No, you got to stay ignorant. And she said, I defy that. And they heard, and they went and shot her in the face. And guess what? Now she's in England. And guess what? I've heard she's become a Christian. It's kind of good when you read the Bible and you can see what you can do in God. Amen. You ought to give God more glory than that. It's it, there's a warring against. I mean, there's a warring against marriage. We have all this stuff, you know. We have people that are saying, you know, well, homosexual lifestyle, and I'm just going to say some stuff, and I'm not here to condemn anybody. And, and you know, that, that sin is just as worse as some other sins. But let me just say, it's, it's no different than alcohol and all those, you know, whatever, okay. Just vices that people have. They want that. But I heard a tape of a lady in, uh, she's American, but she's one of the leaders on this whole thing, the movement. Of, of changing the whole thing of marriage, and this is what she said: It's not about gay marriage. It's not about gay marriage. It's about breaking the institution of marriage. You see, here's Paul, here's Peter, here's Jesus living in, a, roman- in, 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 in a, a society that's been influenced by Rome, where you could you could have intimate, you can have intimacy with your daughter, you can have intimacy with your granddaughter. The only thing they thought was sick is if you had intimacy with your parents. So everything went. And here they are. Jesus is bucking against a culture. And kind of like kind of like where we're going. In our culture. I have a friend, he's, he works for UPS and he does long night drives. And he was one of my he was one of my counselors when I he was one of my guys, my counselors when I was in Bible college. And his name's Brian Bickett. And he was calling me and he said, Man, I read a sign the other day, Baba. He said, everybody in Illinois and Ohio giving up their guns. But he said, come visit Louisiana where 9 out of 10 people have guns. I said, well, don't worry about that. 9 out of 10 people people do have guns, but we don't have just one gun. That's what they didn't say. We're in a culture that's trying to break institutions. You look at it. What was this culture based on? The common law, which was based on the Bible. Now we've broken against that. We've broken against creation. We've broken against many different things in our society. And let's go on. See, the Apostle Paul taught four pillars to elevate the family. If you have a pen or a paper, you need to write this down. I don't, we don't have notes today. I wish I would have had it created for you. Just didn't do it. Number one is, children, obey your parents and the Lord. Honor your father and your mother is the first pillar. And there's a promise with that, and you'll have a long life. I brought you in this world, and I can take you out, baby. Anyway, no. The second thing is, wives, submit to your husbands as unto Come on, the women knew that one. As unto the Lord. The next pillar is husbands. This is Paul speaking in Ephesians. He says, Paul said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, when's the last time you died to yourself to bless your wife? Don't say ouch. When's the last time you died to a hunting trip, a fishing trip, an outing with the boys to meet a need that your wife had? And the last one, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. That's a big one. Don't be so heavy-handed and crush your child. Isn't it interesting? God didn't give that command to moms. Why? Why? Because you know what? A mom's word weighs about 25 pounds. I said, don't. I was talking to my son, Andrew, yesterday. I said, remember when you were a little boy? And I said, we were talking about this. And he goes, he said, but I go, you know what? A daddy that's involved in the family, that's in the house, his words weigh 500 pounds. You know what? Boy, woo! I just wet my bed. No. There'd be one thing where my wife would go, boys, boys, and they didn't know I was home boys. Oh, dad. Men, let me tell you something. Your role as fathers is so important. And the Bible says, don't provoke your children to anger. Can I just be honest with you? Sometimes I've walked in anger. Sometimes I've said things that I shouldn't have said, that I've done things that I shouldn't have done, that I provoked my children to anger. Dad's we don't, just, we, we don't realize how powerful and effective our words are. See, and just instead of speaking correction all the time, God wants to, us to be fathers that give direction to our children. It's not about, don't, don't, that's it. don't, don't, don't. It's like, son, this is why we don't do that. And let me tell you, if you do that, this is what happened. But if you don't do that, this is what can take place, and you can grow from that, and it's okay. How many ever did something your daddy told you not to do? Let's be honest with you. Come on. God's watching your hands. How many of you ever just diso- flat out disobeyed your daddy? And how many something stupid happened to you because you did that? And you got caught. I don't have enough time to tell you all the things I've done. A lot of dads and husbands deal with their children and their wives without sensitivity you see jesus brought a whole new set of ideas when he came to the earth and this is what he said he said the kingdom of heaven is like this the kingdom of heaven is like that the kingdom of heaven the way things operate in heaven are so much different than they are on earth i was enjoying my granddaughter smiling at me anyway she was gonna go paul papa go i couldn't hear but i know that's what she's saying He may say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. All you read the stories in the Bible, when Jesus began to give parables, he said, that's what it's like. It's like the grain. It's like the wheat. It's like the harvest. He began, this is the kingdom. God's ideas are much higher, has a much higher standard than the ones that are here on earth. Amen? You believe that? See, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus' words. He says in Matthew 5, verse 27, 20, you have heard the commandment that says, you must, commit, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Can I just tell you something? Jesus raised the standard. Every one of those men that were standing there just got called out for adultery. You called me out. How many of you have been called out? Wait, I got a different stand. You think it just, you know, commits adultery if you look in a woman the wrong way. You've committed adultery. Can I just tell you something? Every man in this room at one way has looked at a woman that he way in a way that he shouldn't have. And don't go, you look at your husband, are you sure? <laughs> Jesus made everything, he made everybody in that crowd an adulterer. Can you imagine that? He just, kind of like when he looked at the wind, stop. And the wind goes, oh, it's you. Oh. Jesus raised the standard, but with it, he started, He not only that, he gives a new standard. He gives a standard called... And he introduces grace. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Grace. That's his incredible idea of forgiveness. How many of you have ever sinned? How many of you never sinned, liar? Anyway, sinner. All of us have blown it. See, the standard went higher than grace and it went Deeper. See, he he goes, here's a new standard. It's called grace. And we're going to go deeper than ever. None of us have ever measured up to the ideas Jesus taught. How many of you believe that? Can I just make a confession as your pastor and just, just let you know? Listen, number one is, can I just make this? It may be a shock to some of you. I am not perfect. I'm not perfect. You can ask my wife. She knows me. I'm not perfect. But the thing is, because of his grace, we have amazing forgiveness available to every one of us. See, the aim of grace is not to forgive your sin, but it's also to help you to overcome your sin. You know, His grace is not only to forgive me and to forgive you, but it gives me a new desire to change when I receive grace. He said, I'm going to raise that up a little bit. And I'm going to see when you walk in grace. How many of you had stuff that you used to do that you don't do anymore? And you look back, that's God. Or that how many you've had same patterns in your life that you've had to deal with and overcome and you feel bad about and you ask God to forgive you and you get mad at yourself. How many of you fussed at yourself? Why are you you ever do Like my wife yesterday, she washed a, a pan and, and she was gonna make some cookies. Well, she washed the pan, she dried it all up, and she put it back in the cabinet and she talked to herself. She goes, Idiot. I go, You're not and I go, You're not an idiot. She goes, Well, I just washed the pan, I go, I said. And she she was laughing, okay? And she was fussing at herself, idiot. It was hilarious. She had to be there. Just a funny moment. But we do that. How many of you have ever done it? Talk to yourself. Dummy, idiot. That's daddy coming out in me. Oh, God, help me. Because of grace... Listen, to me. because of grace, we have amazing forgiveness. You see, not only forgiveness, but it goes deeper in that to help us to overcome. That's what God gives us grace for. Not just to forgive us, but to help us to overcome what he's forgiven us for. See, we all fall. Can we all say that? How many of We all fall. We've all stumbled. Anybody, do we have agreement in the church? But the grace picks us right back up. See, the idea is so far above what the norm is. I have to have God's grace to pursue, to pursue him, to know him. Here's the big question. Here's the big question. Are we willing to embrace an idea knowing that we might not always live up to it? Or are we going to abandon the idea and call out our shortcomings? Think about it. You know, today in America... People are giving up on God's ideas. They really are. Let's give up on marriage. No, one really, no one's really happy anyway. Let's just call, call, call our shortcomings normal. That's just the way it is. And they say, you can't raise your kids to live honorably and respectfully. Just quit trying. Listen, when I was a kid, yes, ma'am, and no ma'am and yes sir and please and may i those were big especially if you're raised in the south and when i went to bible college and and then i was in texas and that day understand that but i started traveling around the country and i remember saying to a guy that was from california one time i go yes sir and he thought i was being sassy to him go yes sir no sir he's up what are you doing what do you mean what am i doing why are you saying, yes, sir? I'm like, well, because that's the way I was raised. Because you don't understand. In my mind, I'm thinking, if I didn't say yes, sir, no, sir. See, my grandmother ra- helped raise me and Todd when we were little because my dad was off of college and my mom was trying to finish high school. Nini's Soap, it was called Ivory Soap. When I said something I shouldn't say, it was soap time, baby. And not only was it soap time, she just didn't stick it in and go. She said bite. And she would go. Scrape. I I can still taste it. I'm going. I hate Ivory soap. Why we use dove. I like the dove floating on me in the morning, you know, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Irish green, whatever it is, you know, the leprechaun spirit. You know, I I don't mind all those other soaps, but don't don't give me ivory, baby. I lost my message. We all suffer. I'm back. When that happens. Jesus has has a much better way for us to live. How many you believe that? See, when you embrace that, the, uh, an idea that you know that you will never fully live up to, you experience tension in your life between the idea and the real. Let me give you a, See, we love... How I many of you know we love solving problems? Many of us do. See, let me give you an idea, let me, a, a good example. Let's say you have a leak in your roof. Hey, what do you do? You can buy a bucket or you can go fix the roof. Okay, I'm getting the roof fixed. If I can't fix it, I can fix hearts, but I'm calling Denny or Jamie or or Tony or or somebody in the church. Hey, guys, I got a leak. (laughs) Can y'all come help me? Now, if they got an issue with something going on in their marriage or their life, I can help them. There's payback. You know what I'm talking about? But see, I've been in people's houses sometimes, and you turn on the sink, and you look underneath, there's a bucket under the sink. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that water? How long is that going to last? And, you know, there's a tension. See, even in our lives, sometimes there's areas in our lives we have problems with. Come on, I'm going somewhere with this. Sometimes we have issues, it's like a leaking roof, and we're going to let God fix that roof? Are we going to keep putting a bucket and try to figure out how we've well, we got to get this and this? Because we all got things we've got to deal with. Do we have agreement on that? See, what do you do when our family is not idea to what is real? It takes the grace of God to deal with it. You see, when Jesus went down to Judea, the Philistines hit him up with a question. This is what they asked him. Can a man divorce his wife? Most want to fix it. And they remember in the Jewish custom, I divorced you, I divorced you, I divorced you. That's what he's dealing with. OK, there was a Pharisees that taught that in their culture. So that's how they felt. So they come to Jesus. And they began to talk to him. Remember Herod the king at the time? He killed John the Baptist because John the Baptist told him he was living in sin because he was living with his brother's wife. He was sleeping with his sister-in-law. In other words, how the Pharise- now the Pharisees are asking Jesus the same question that John the Baptist just got killed for. Mark 10, verse 5-9, through nine, Jesus responded. He wrote this command. Only... As a concession to your hard hearts. He said, I've, Moses wrote that you can do it by a certificate. But he only gave it because you had a hard heart. And hard heart right there means, if you look up the Greek in that, it means like scoliosis. I mean, it's like where your, your, your uh, arteries begin to harden. What is that called? Cirrhosis. Cirrhosis that's right. All right. Is that right? She's a RN. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me the Greek. She's a real nurse. That's what R-M-N means. (laughs) I'm not. But in other words, it just hardens your arteries. And so what happens is because you've hardened yourself so hard and you're allowing the life flow of my life to come into your life, I'm just going to give you what you want. How many you know God does that for all of us, not just in divorce? You harden your heart long enough? Come on. He said, but God made them male and female, from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. See, I've created... And see, this is, what do, this is what happens. I've just created some tension in this room because there are some people that are divorced. Hello? When I said that, you kind of... There's an idea, and then there's the real. Some of you have deep regrets. I know that. We do things because we want to do them. We do our own stuff sometimes. It's, and like I said, it's not the devil. It's not any of that. Let me give you a story. How many of you have ever heard the story of David, a man after God's own heart? How about David and Bathsheba? David, we know the story. God loves David. David loves God. But David comes out on his balcony one day, and he's just going out on his balcony. He looks, and there's a woman that's washing herself. And she and She's naked. And he's kind of like, wow. And if something happens in his heart, he goes, I want her. And even his servant, when he said to go command, his servant looked at him. He said, David. That's Uriah's wife. And Uriah, if you know the story, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He wasn't even an Israelite. He was actually a Hittite that was converted to Judaism. Okay. And so we know that David goes and he has relations with her and all of a sudden we know that, that what happens is as he has relationships with her, he feels terrible, he feels bad. And she comes back a few weeks later, a couple months later and says, hey, you know that one night stand? I'm pregnant. He goes, this is a problem. He said, get you right to come back from the battlefield and he can sleep with his wife. He has an idea. First night he's there around the, around there. David's going, hey, go be with your wife, you know. "Ah." And what he does, instead of going in and being with his wife, he pulls out a mat, lays on it, and sleeps by David's door. The next, David hears this, sees this, and he goes, oh, man, what are we going to do? This is the issue. And so what he does, he gets him drunk. And he thinks that'll get him, but he does the same thing. And he realizes it's not going to work because he's loyal to the core for David. He's one of David's mighty men. So he sends a note in his own hand to give to Joab, his commanding general. Puts it in his hand, and it's a note. And Uriah doesn't even open the note because he knew it would be his life. Joab reads it, and it was Uriah's life. David said, when the battle gets hard, let, let Uriah go to the front and fight, and y'all withdraw, and let the enemy kill him. And we know that the story goes that she has the baby, he dies, But remember, God, in today's culture, we want to blame everybody else for our issues, don't we? We need to own our own sin. We chose to do things. David chose to do this out of the hardness of his heart. But you know the cool thing about God and his grace? She lost that baby, but she had another baby. And his name was Solomon. And through that lineage. Through David and Solomon. Through the lineage of Judah. Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. Through the lineage of Jacob's children. Through, through that. Through his sons came. His he named Judah. And he prophesied over his son Judah. Through your lineage will come the Messiah. And through David and Solomon came Jesus through that lineage. You see, that's the grace of God. You see, even though David messed up, look at me. Even though you messed up. Even though I've messed up. What he's saying is God didn't abandon him and God won't abandon you. The grace of God covers the gap between the real and the ideal. God's grace covers us. When you walk through hard times, God's grace comes. You know, when you have someone that dies that you love and you care for and you want them back and it was too soon, just like right now, and Pastor Jay and our church and, and our, our Savior's church right now, let me tell you what's happening right now. And you need to pray for them. It's God's grace. This past week, our children's pastor at our Brusar campus was driving on Interstate 10, and someone crossed the medium and ran into their car and killed his 13-year-old precious daughter that was in the back seat that had just brought two friends from school the week before to youth group, and they got saved, gave their lives to Jesus. His 7-year-old son was in the front. He was in the front seat. Literally got, got smashed. They went in to bring his daughter for operation. They came out, and, and they go... He starts, you know, she was bleeding. She was hemorrhaging. They're going through all this stuff. And and then in the middle while they're explaining everything, she didn't. She she uh, she deceased. and, And also we couldn't get the blood. And it was like no feelings. And the mom goes, what do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. what are you saying? Your daughter expired. She's seven months pregnant. Okay. The same day. Our worship leader at the Lafayette campus, wife's pregnant. They're from New Orleans. They're trying to make the transition, move from New Orleans to Lafayette. She goes into labor. They're going to New Orleans because it's where they've done everything. And, and then she's about to have a baby. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, there's a, the baby's heart stops beating, and the baby's born, still born. He said, Bubba, Pastor Jake, you know, we, y'all know me and Pastor Jake pray every Sunday and, he, and we, I've walked through some things this week. And he has. And our families have. And it's been an incredible to see what God can do. God's working miracles. And he said, Baba, this morning, man, Pastor Rob and Karen have been at, at this guy's side. And they said he's going to die. He's, he's losing feelings. He didn't even know his daughter's dead yet. He's got a broken back and he's like in traction kind of thing. His vitals are going down. He said, Baba. How many of you know who Brother Keith is? Y'all haven't seen Brother Clay Keith? He goes, Bubba, the pastor at so-and-so came in. We've been praying, believing, and you know, we believe that God can do the impossible, work miracles. He comes in there, hadn't been with them all day because everybody else has heard everything, all the things that can't happen, all that. He just comes in there, and he's Hispanic. Have you ever been around Hispanic people when they get excited and they start praying for the Lord? He goes, he comes in there, he just walks in the room, he goes, Jesus! Devil set there. And Pastor Jacob, what the you know, everybody's going, what? And he's just praying. And he leaves. And all of a sudden the vitals they were going bing. bing, 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 bing. I'm not saying you have to be loud in your prayers, but you better have some faith, baby. Whoa. The Lord saying, shorten it down, Bubba. Get it down. Get the people out. See, you know what? I know this. When someone dies, going back to that, when someone goes through a hard time, God will give you the grace to walk through it. See, God gave me grace when I walked through cancer. Yesterday morning, I was putting on my little band. How many of you see my little band I have around my watch? You've noticed it. I haven't said anything. I don't stay up at night and worry about cancer coming back or any of that kind of stuff. But I was wearing that, and I was putting it on yesterday morning. And when I did, I went to put it on. It broke, and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart, and He goes, "Bubba, the cancer's broken over your life." He you goes, oh, "That makes all of us feel good." Okay, come on, let's. Yeah. I can do all that. You know, it's like, you know, like the Lord just spoke to me. Says, "Bubba." You don't have to worry about this. I don't stay. Yes, you know, more. I don't worry about it. I don't talk to her, baby. It's going to I'm not that kind of guy. But I just felt something in my heart. And can I tell you something? Just like the Lord spoke to me, it's broken. If we accept the grace of God, not just as, as an idea, but we see it as real, God will break. Generational curses, generational devils over our lives and over our children's lives. And see, God can give you grace. Because see, if someone dies in your family and they know the Lord and you're you're crying, God will give you grace to walk through that. But if you ask them, do you want to go back and they're in heaven? They go, I don't want to go back. Can I just tell you? They don't want to come back. All they want to tell you is, hey, it's wonderful here. This is awesome. And you know what else they're saying? It's wonderful. But I'm waiting for you. See. God's grace covers